Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney. Hello, and I'm Leah Wetzel. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. It is February, so we're talking about relationships all month long. And today, Leah and I are going to talk about those relationships we let go of or have to let go of when we get when we choose a, a life in recovery or to take that journey in recovery. And we, we just thought this might be a really uh, good topic. And I don't think it's something we've ever covered before, Leah. Really? Yeah. When subject got brought up, I thought that's definitely a hot topic because, you know, that could really make or break somebody's recovery, those relationships yes. early on allowing them in our lives or or loving ourselves enough to let them go. Exactly, exactly. And I don't know about you, but, you know, it's a challenge. I, I, I found it to be a little bit of a challenge in the beginning. Like, I was young, you know, I was, I was uh, 21. So, you know, your social circle is important to you when you're, when you're young. And the people you hang around, and, right? And so I, I like. <clears throat> I said this in the warm up. I mean, for me, it was, um, wow. You know, I can't be around these people. I mean, these are people. You know, some you go to high school with, or you work with, or you know, they're around your age. And I think it changes when you get older. Your social circle changes, and it's maybe not as important. But I think that was a big challenge for me. And the idea of sitting home uh, alone on a Friday or a Saturday night was like, at first, was not agree agreeable with me. <laughs> you know, was not. Did you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, that's why a lot of us get involved in the things we do because our mental health isn't the best. And we don't want to be alone in our thoughts. And. Um, I know for me, within the lifestyle that I ended up in, you know, I thought my loyalty to others should rise above everything else because they quote unquote were loyal and there for me when really that wasn't it. I had to learn to be loyal and love myself enough to start setting boundaries. Right. Right. In those situations. Right. Yeah, I, you know, for one of the tools that I picked up really early on, you know, I went, I went back to uh, picking up my guitar and, you know, I spent a lot of Friday and Saturday nights playing guitar, you know, by myself. It was something I could do on my own and I didn't have to be, you know, with other people to fill the time, to, to occupy the time with something positive and, and that was really helpful for me because it was also, it's also, um, it's a, it's a creative release 
you know, like if you're a artist or a writer, or, you know, musician, it, it's a way to sort of get your, express your thoughts, your inner thoughts and sort of get that out. And, and I, and I, as a peer supporter, you know, and working with people, I, I think a lot of people get hung up on this one. I, I think that a lot of people get, they really stumble, you know, um, yeah. and want to keep hanging out with the same people. <laughs> and, and you really can't when you, when you get into recovery. Right. And expecting a different result. Right? Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Meaning of insanity. Yeah, for sure. And, and the, you were talking about this in the, when we were warming up about being in a program or a, a treatment center. So talk, talk a little bit about, about that again. So within my life experience, there was institutions, facilities, treatment centers that I was in. And especially when you get in it, you know, involved with the Department of Corrections, you see a lot of the same faces over and over again. And you, you know, you get to know, get to know people. And within that, I see people do so well, like within those settings, because they're safe, because they're, like you had said earlier, like you're in a bubble, you're in your own little world. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's security, there's stability. And then the minute um, we have that freedom, you know, where we're, we're able to be in contact with old, old relationships, old friendships. And, you know, it's just a, becomes a ugly cycle, you know. And I think for me, because I went to a four-month trauma-based treatment center was the last one I went to. Just really taking that time to focus on myself and learning more about why I am the way I am. And having that support system set up for when I get out. You know, I had it set up with my home group. I had it set up with, you know, my kids and I moved into a drop a family drop-in center having the support set up because it takes a tribe to keep us up and having that accountability you know because I don't always know if something's healthy for me or not especially early in recovery because I'm used to this this ugly unhealthy cycle and it wasn't until like two years ago when uh, my therapist Scott James in Great Falls Indian Family Health Center. He had me write a timeline of relationships. And I had written like a timeline of life experiences and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. But I never did one with relationships. And it really allowed me to see the patterns. And I think once I was aware of that, it really put a whole new light on things, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, I, 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 I used to call it the bubble, you know, um, being hospitalized. It's like you're, 
you're, you're kind of removed, you know, from the world. You're in a very sheltered and protected environment. It's all about year wellness and, and recovery, and there's groups and counseling and medications, and, and you're not really, you know, you're not dealing with the day-to-day -day things of life you know, paying your bills and, right. you know, getting along with your coworkers or whatever, or, you know, working a job, mm -hmm. you're kind of removed from all of that. And, and then when you, when you get released and you go home, then you're sort of faced with all of that. And I, you know, this is probably, you know, this is one of the areas that I, I think most institutions, hospitals, they sort of drop the ball on. It's like, people get released and the, and it's like falling off a cliff. I mean, you, you know, you go from this super intensive environment to usually almost nothing. I, I mean, there's typically not much sounds like, you know, you had a couple of things, but you know, and so then you're sort of left to make your own choices and that old group of friends, you know, they're not going to go, if you show up at a party, I mean, they're not going to be like, Hey, Jim, you know, hey, I thought you were in recovery. You shouldn't come here, you know. I mean, they're like, come on in, you know, right? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, join join the party. You know, there's there's no, you know, I, I can remember, you know, I, I was young. I was, I was 21 and I can remember I was driving to this, uh, this support meeting and, and, and I, all right, I'm going to this meeting. That's sort of where my frame of mind, like going. And then I was coming up on this traffic light and I thought to myself, I'm going to turn right and that's where the meeting is. It, you know, it's down the road that way. But if I turn left, that's where my friends are. I wonder what my friends are doing. And I turned left and, and I go to my friends and, and you know, and, and it's like, you know, what I said. I mean, they, they just, there's no hesitation. I mean, they're not like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be here. You know, maybe you shouldn't be drinking. I mean, it's just the opposite. It's just, and it's just, you know, when you're not healthy, you're hanging around other people who are not healthy. Right. And if I had turned right and, and went to the meeting, I could have talked about that scenario with other people who would have probably given me good sound advice like hey thank goodness you didn't turn the other way and go to you know what i mean right um because you don't have good boundaries you don't have good decision making you're early in recovery and i don't know what that was very impulsive it wasn't something i i thought about it wasn't you know and i went you know drank you know and it ended up leading to a suicide attempt for me and it's like that sort of split second decision i don't know where that came from like i wasn't equipped to deal with it you know i wasn't right i just wasn't and uh then you know when you you know you're you're in recovery, you know, you, you're always faced with these. I mean, people call you, they want to come over. Oh, come on over. We're going to do this or, you know, right. Right. And you have to keep making those decisions, the right choices. No recovery. I'm on the path of recovery. I'm on the path of recovery. You yeah. Know? And, and I, did you have, have had this experience 
Was there anybody in a, in a particular person who you felt uh, disappointed in or almost, I would, I'm almost going to, I'm going to use the word betrayed. Like your friendship was sort of betrayed where, where like later after you got in recovery, they, they then like, then they said something to you like, Anyway, here, here's where, here's, here's what's on my mind is, you know, I had, the, I had this one friend, oh, I had this one friend who, I mean, I knew for a long time, you know, high school and high school together and everything, you know, it was years later when I got in recovery, they were like, yeah, we, we knew you weren't healthy. Like, and I go, what do you mean? We knew you weren't healthy. I'm like, I knew you for years. Like you never said a word to me. Right. Right. And it was like, it was like it made me realize he really wasn't that good of a friend. Like, yes. Yes, like I did you ever have that sort of experience? Like it's still, it's still strange to me today. It's like, you know, years later, it's like decades later, you know? And I'm like, and I still find that so strange that I considered this person a friend. I would value their, their insight or, you know, their friendship and and they saw I wasn't okay, but didn't didn't say anything. Didn't say anything or do anything. Didn't like. But then years later, after I was doing better, we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have anybody like well, that? I mean, yeah. The something saying something simple like that, you know. We have so many emotions attached to that because we went through the experience that we did. You know, we think, well, man, maybe if somebody would have said something like that, maybe I could have caught on, maybe I could have got some help and saved myself from all this hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I've had that those experiences. I've had those experiences even within my family. And, you know, unhealthy family, obviously, but that are really good at point now some negative incidents within ah, my past. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, and some of it do, I'm, I'm thinking due to my brain injury or, you know, the toxins I was putting in my body. I don't remember some of it, you know, yeah, and all I sure. can do is apologize for anything I've done wrong. But then there's also, you know, moving on from that or, if it bothers them enough, let's, you know, let's do some counseling, let's talk about it. But there's a difference between that and throwing it in someone's face or like, to me, it was like, well, where were you during that time? You know? And so on this journey, I've had to set boundaries with people. And I've also you know, and there are times where we're going through a lot alone, but you and I have had this conversation before. A lot of healthy recovery consists of having, having people in our lives that are healthy too, and not, um, not, not allowing ourselves to go back into those patterns. Cause that's what I, I really have been paying attention to is patterns within myself because I, I wouldn't even realize I'm cycling back into a pattern and then until I I'm like okay when's the last time I've been doing meetings when's the last time I met my sponsor when's the last time I 
went, you know, me and my kids went and did something together. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot to maintaining a good healthy recovery. And I, I think when we do that, we're, we're able to have healthier relationships um, when we have a healthy relationship within ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, those are, those are great points. And you use that word maintenance, it makes me, you know, I think of the stages of change. And, and that's what it is. Once you get kind of down the road, so to speak, in the road of recovery, you're not, you're not as like on the edge, right? You're, you're in a maintenance sort of phase of you've made these important changes, you're committed to recovery, but you do <clears throat> have to do maintenance. You know, my uh, this, this counselor that I had, I mean, she would say, because um, I, uh, for the last number of years, I mean, I've been in recovery for 20, whatever, 26, 27 years. You know, I, I don't go to counseling every week anymore, but I'll, I'll do check-ins. I'll do, you know, so I'll go for a period of time. And she says, you know, it's like getting a tune-up on your car. Like, think of it that way. Like, you know, you don't, you don't need to be here every week working on your car, you know, but every so often you go back in and you get, you know, kind of the basic stuff, you know, let's check it out, see how you're doing kind of thing. And I found that really helpful. Um, but the, you know, the relationships and, and, uh, letting go of people who, you know, for me, I, I think about, uh, high school, you know, friends you make when you're in high school and, you know, some people you form bonds with, I mean, uh, if you play sports with them or, you know, things you might do not, not related to drinking or partying, anything like that, but, you know, you form bonds with these people and it, it's challenging to, to, I can remember this, you know, and like my younger self, like, wow, this person's not going to be part of my life. And coming to those realizations, and you also said the piece about boundaries, which I really like, because that's what it is. It's learning how to have boundaries and um, how to set them, hold them, which can be tough when you're dealing with other people who are unhealthy. They don't know to respect your boundaries either. So. Right. It's not just on your side of the fence, it's their side of the fence too. You're trying to hold this boundary and they're not wanting to, to do that, right? Because you're in a different place. You're on the road to recovery. They're still, they're still unhealthy. Right. Have you ever had this experience where you have run into someone or you see someone from back, back when, you were, when you were not healthy and, yeah. and be sort of, sort of shocked? be be sort of shocked by them like has that ever happened to you well i run into people from my past all the time because i got sober or i sustained my sobriety in my hometown and i run into a lot of people on social media or at the store or in and out of the rooms of recovery or at events that i'm a part of and I think if anything, the surprise is on their side because I was one of those I was one of those lost causes 
for quite a while. And so now I think that's why, you know, I get, I get celebrated within the work that I do. You know, I got, I got even my old probation officer, like she sends referrals to my talking circle and, you know, so, and it's crazy because people that from my past, whether we were in treatment together or locked up together or doing whatever, you know, in the free world together, I'm really seeing them reach out to me and ask me for help. Like, how do you do this? What is, how have you been able to get through this? And, you know, because it isn't easy. It isn't easy when you've trained your brain for so long to live a certain way. And, but it is, it is feasible and it's possible. And I think, you know, I lost a lot of quote unquote friends within the first few years of my uh, sobriety. Even ones that are in recovery that I realized were not healthy for me or didn't have their best interest, my best interest, you know? And so I've always been such a giver and I had to learn to really start giving some of that to myself. And, you know, that kind of sounds selfish, but it has to be mutual. It has to be a mutual thing. Relationships are built on trust. Relationships are built on you know, real authentic things that you have personally with somebody. And if you're not being respected in that, you know, especially you see the lights go on in people's minds when they start learning about, you know, what gaslighting is or, or you know, narcissism or healthy or unhealthy relationships. You see light bulbs go on and that's when you really start, you know, questioning, okay, is this healthy? And am I making excuses for people? You know, and it's, it's really, you know, for me, my spirituality really helps me weed out stuff like that in my life now, you know, um, just really asking creator to guide me and, and get rid of what's not needed in my life has really been helpful. Nice, nice. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is really kind of an ongoing topic that just evolves. I mean, I, I I feel like I said at the beginning. I mean, I think it's it's really important when you first start in recovery. Everybody kind of faces this dilemma about relationships and who we're keeping and who we're not but i think over time for me it's evolved and not having unhealthy people in my life and like just filtering them kind of right off the bat like just you know it becomes i don't i don't know if the word is easier but um you become more adept at filtering them right away Cause you begin to spot things. I mean, just the fact that the person's clean and sober, you begin to spot that kind of behavior or, you know, right. In other, in other people that's unhealthy, 
Yeah. And you just don't really allow that in your life. So for me, it's really evolved over time. Yeah. And I mean, in the subject of relationships, like relationships that I've built within MPN and my boss, you, Jim, you know, you've showed me compassion and care that I didn't really know existed in the workplace. And so I just, I really appreciate that. Um, and that also helps guide those that you're leading us to wanting better healthy relationships and to be healthier ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think when you do this kind of work, um, peer support or you work in a recovery type setting, it's really, you have to embrace it. It, it, it has to permeate all, relation, all relationships in your life, all aspects of, of your life. It's not like we don't, you know, you and me, Leah, don't work a normal job, what I would call a normal job, where you might go to work somewhere and work in a, you know, some sort of a manufacturing thing, or you might work in an office setting or, a, you know, whatever, retail or something, banking, you know, I mean, you're there and you're whatever, you're the, you're the guy who makes pizzas, you know, whatever, I mean, I don't know, you're the teller, you know. But then you go home and you might be sort of different. Yes. When when you work in a recovery organization, we're in recovery. That That's our life. So this type of work, it, it, it has to permeate into all of your relationships. You can't, you can't, I don't think you're being authentic when you work in a recovery setting, a drop-in center, you know, any kind of a recovery organization whether you're a certified peer supporter, you really have to carry that with you all the time. It, it should be who you are. That, that's how I look at it because it is your life. It is your, otherwise I always feel like people are being, um, they're not being authentic because it's like, do what I say, not what I do kind mm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And you should really be carrying that all the time in this field, in this type of work. And, and we're all humans. I mean, you know, things happen in our lives. Um, but I do think it's important to be, um, to carry yourself in that certain way and have compassion towards other people. I think the longer I've been in recovery, that concept has evolved for me, my understanding of it and how I, um, utilize that in my life, that being able to not be so attached, like, I'm um, like when I was running a drop-in center, I don't, I don't, I learned to not be as possessive of the people who come in. It's their life. They have to make their own decisions just like I did. And so learning how to have compassion for wherever they are and acceptance that they're going to make their own choices. And maybe that some of those choices are different than the ones I'm making. It's their own journey and not wanting the ownership of that. Cause I want them to succeed, you know, Yes. whether they succeed or not is not about me. It's it's, I'm going to put out the best I can, the program, the training, compassion or whatever, all of that stuff. 
And then whatever happens in their life, that's really up to them. And not trying to own that and be like, see, I helped this person. It's like, no, they helped themselves. I just supported them in making healthier choices or, you know, whatever the situation is. Yeah. But that's, that's evolved in me. You know, that's not something I always believed in. That's something that evolved as my understanding grew. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I didn't, I didn't realize true peer support until I started working here. And when I did, I started realizing, you know, we're, we're here to support them and really get paid to be ourselves. That's what I tell people. I'm like, I get, I get paid to just be me and do the things that I'm passionate about and be involved in what I'm passionate about. And we support people and show them love until, you know, while they're empowering themselves. Right, right, right. I really think that's key. I mean, to those kinds of relationships with like a peer supporter and, and a peer and um, and really understanding that role for yourself and how do you know the question is for every peer supporter has to ask themselves in this relationship that I'm having with this person who's sitting in front of me how do I support them and not take ownership of their life it's not your life it's their life so how do I just support their decisions and recognize my role and how do I stay in my own lane and allow that relationship to, you know, develop over time in a supportive way, not I'm directing them towards what I think they should be doing. Right. That is every peer supporters, one of the greatest questions they have to answer for themselves and the greatest challenge. And some people are really good at it. You know, some people are really, really good at doing that. And, and some people aren't, you know, they, they're not. They want you to do it a certain way because, because we all know what it feels like when we've been part of a system that tells us what we need to do. Yes. And, and that very rarely works. Yeah, because you're in a system that's telling you what to do and then you're out and you don't know how to do it for yourself anymore. Exactly. I mean, this is where we started this, this this discussion today. Exactly. Because you're back at this place of now you have to make all these decisions, but the system made them all for you. So that's not, that's not good. That's not role modeling for people and helping them. Um, we, we, you and I have experienced this in some of the, with some of the drop-in centers. And uh, it makes me think of the transportation issue. You know, some of these drop-in centers want to be a bus system and they want to take the, the peers who come into their program to all their appointments to make sure they make all their appointments. But that's not empowering anybody. That's actually disempowering people instead of encouraging them to, to make their own choices, to start, you know, being more independent, make the choices and want to go to a different appointment because it betters your life right. to see the value in it, to see the value of, you know, going to talk to somebody about housing or getting a driver's license or right. Because 
that opens up a new world when you get a driver's license. Now you have ID. Now you can drive a car legally. Not, I, I'm going to take you to the places so I make sure you make your appointments. Right. That's, right. yeah. Um, yeah. Within the drug court program that I was here in Great Falls, the 8th Judicial, I remember, I distinctly remember, like, I saved an, saved up enough Bravo bucks and there was enough support to help me get my license, pay for the license. They're like, okay, we'll meet you at, meet your appointment tomorrow. All right, we'll meet you at 7 a.m. there. I'm still catching the city bus and getting my ass That's right. there. That's right. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me to That's right. not be afraid to get out in the world and do what I need to do to get with, get to where I want exactly. to be. Exactly. Exactly. I, I learned this lesson. This is how I learned this lesson. I was running my drop-in center program, and um, it was sometime in the first year. So early on. I mean, I built it from the ground up, right? I mean, there wasn't a program. I got hired on. I had to build a program. So... Um, I, I watched the center, the mental health center who housed the drop-in center program. They had this van and, you know, they're taking people to appointments, you know, over here, over there. And when I started there, they had already bought a van for the drop-in center. And the van just sat there. You know, I never drove it. I mean, it just sat there. And the staff would always be like, hey, I noticed you're not using the van. Is everything okay? Do we need to take it in and get it fixed or, you know? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't think we should be driving people, you know. Well, if you go pick people up and you bring them to the, your program, you'll have more people in your program. That's it. And I'm like, it. right? And I go, and I go, I don't have that problem. I already have a bunch of people in my program. I don't need to go pick them up, All right? So, uh, so one day it was a it was a weekend, and I'm 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 driving through town, you know, I don't. I, was, I don't know what I was doing, grocery shopping or something. You know, I'm driving through town and I see this individual who attended the day treatment program, who they picked up every day, brought to the program, drove home, dropped off next day, picked the person up, bring them to the program, you know, and I see the person and, and you know, I'm driving. And, oh, I think that's so-and-so. So I start slowing down. And their person's walking down the sidewalk carrying a, a, a 12 pack of beer, you know, walking uh. down the street, you know, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting because the store's like four blocks away and the person lives, you know, another six blocks across town. So they're okay to walk to the store to go get beer, but we're picking them up to bring them to a recovery program every day. You know, and that, and that's where, that's where it, it reinforced that belief that I already had about not, not doing for people and trying to empower them. And it was like, there it is right there, you know, and I didn't stop. I just kept driving, you know, when I saw the beer, cause I thought, wow, you know, there it is right there. Yeah. The person can walk 10 blocks to go get, to go, to go, you know, catch a buzz and, and get drunk but can't walk to a place to better themselves. That's their choice. Right. You know, right? 
what are we doing if we're just picking people up and shuffling them around? That's right. You know, Montana, right? I mean, Montana, most major cities have public transportation now. Yes. Now, the smaller town, the smaller towns don't, but most all the major cities have them, right? Yes, yes. And something that is very motivational, I believe, is if I put in half the effort I did to stay high and to stay doing the things I was doing, if I put half of that effort, because I did some crazy things and I put a lot of energy to those crazy things, but if I put half of that effort into doing something good, you know, working hard for my own recovery, for my own life, because we're out here working hard to live. You know, recovery is our life, and without it, there is no life. And if we were to put half of that energy into ourselves, bettering ourselves, this world, you know, would be a better place. Our traditional ways, it, you know, the individual works on themselves, then their family, their communities, and their nations, and that's where it starts is all within ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I'd agree 100%. Well, Leah, this has been a really good conversation once again. And I hope, uh, yeah. Our, yeah, hope our listeners enjoyed uh, this conversation about relationships and letting go of people and recovery. And uh, I hope you keep tuning in to more episodes every week. Recovery Talks podcast from montana's peer network yeah have a good great week everybody bye-bye recovery works and recovery is possible recovery works and recovery is possible recovery works recovery is possible recovery is possible (laughs) recovery works and recovery is possible recovery works and recovery is possible recovery works and recovery is possible 